how is can we start or do i am i already started can we do a little intro sorry she wants an intro <laughs> all right we'll do the intro let's let's do it let's go the intro uh greg friedman welcome thanks for joining me today yeah thank you teague for having me I like that we're like, what, two miles from each other, and yet we have to still do Zoom to see each other? Exactly. We should be doing this in person. So uh, it's a lot It's a lot better when we're in person versus being over Zoom, that's for sure. The joys and sorrows of technology, I think. Right. Uh, all right, so I'm going to get into it. Listen, we're, we're going to talk uh, all things hotel industry, economy, uh, inflation, interest rates, banking, you guys are in the banking. So we're going to talk a bunch of that stuff, sort of what's happening now and how we see the market transaction world, et cetera. Uh, but first, give me a quick sort of update on you guys on Peachtree, Peachtree Group. Sorry. So we've had name change. We've had a bunch of promotions. You guys have been in the news a lot lately. You're looking at all asset classes. Give me a quick 30-second update on Peachtree Group. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know if I can do it in 30 seconds, but I'll try. So uh, so Peachtree Group, you know, obviously we changed the name from Peachtree Hotel Group to Peachtree Group. And really the um, impetus for the name change um, was the fact that we are starting to do a lot more stuff outside the hospitality business, especially within our credit business. So we're doing a lot more you know, lending um, to non-hospitality um, real estate assets. So we've, you know, we've really grown that business and I'll talk more about that later. But, uh, but in any event, you know, that's been really the driver of the name change from Peachtree Hotel Group to Peachtree Group is you know our ability to continue just to grow the company outside the hospitality industry. Today, about 90% of our assets under management, which we have about two and a half billion of equity across about 6 billion of assets under management today. And 90% of those assets are hospitality um, or hospitality related assets, but you know we are starting to grow that non-hospitality bucket. And we believe over the next you know five years or so, we'll end up being a little bit more balanced and you know where we're invested um so we you know we think it was a good time to make that name change just given the fact that we are growing you know outside the hospitality industry but we've been you know over the last really over the last 12 months we've been extremely busy on the credit side of our business um, we haven't been as active on the um when you look at acquiring assets although we've acquired two assets over the last couple of weeks we bought one asset in downtown austin Right next to the University of Texas at Austin, we bought a Hampton Inn hotel, and then we bought a Homewood Suites um, in Nashville, right next to Vanderbilt University. So we started to become a little bit more active on the the buy side, on the within our you know equity portfolio or real estate portfolio, but on the debt side, we've been extremely busy. All right, so that helped. But give me by comparison. So we've done two assets. I don't know if that's this year or what, but by comparison, how many did you, did you do this time last year? Yeah. So, you know, this time last year, we probably had closed on, um, you know, because we had a really busy first quarter last year. Um, so we had closed on probably about, call it, you know, probably eight eight or nine assets. Um, this year, um, we've closed on only three assets, you know, with these last two acquisitions. So it's, it's down pretty significantly. Uh, but we haven't, you know, to us, the market is just starting to become, although I think, you know, hospitality is a great asset class to be investing in today you know, for a lot, a lot of different reasons. And, you know, primarily just given, you know, again, hotels are the best hedge against inflation. I think just with higher interest rates today and so forth, you know, just pre presents a really good opportunity for investors, you know, like us, because you actually get risk premium spread 
you know, when you look at the 10 year treasury rate, that's around 370. I think the 10 year treasury rate, because um, I really don't think there's any catalyst for interest rates to drop in the near term, because we're going to be dealing with higher inflation for longer. And if you, you know, if you follow that logic, if inflation settles around 3%, because um, that's where I think the inflation rate is going to settle, although the Fed is, you know, committed to getting inflation down to 2%, I think they're going to struggle to get it down to 2% over the next, you know, it's going to take a good 18 to 24 months. And the reason I say that, I think that's going to put pressure on the 10-year treasury to probably continue to um, slowly, you know, creep up. And I think it's going to end up being, you know, north of 4%. And when you look at historical, um, you know, historically, if the 10-year treasury, the risk-free rate's around 4%, then, you know, traditional cap rates across all commercial real estate assets on average are about 270 bips over the, um, you know, over the risk-free rate or the 10-year treasury rate. So effectively, you could argue a lot of these other asset classes like multifamily, industrial, self-storage that really got the benefit of COVID from a standpoint that they had, you know, because interest rates went to zero. And so their cap rates, you know, effectively in a lot of cases went, you know, south of 3% during COVID. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they're on the other side of that trade. Whereas hospitality has continued, you know, in our eyes, at least continue to trade in that, you know, seven and a half to eight and a half, nine percent cap rate range for, you know, select service, limited service, extended stay hotels. And so the reason I say all that is that you're still getting paid a good 400 basis points of risk premium spread. So it makes hospitality very attractive for equity investors to go buy hotels today, not to mention, you know, the, you know, as we talked about the inflation hedge and then all the, I think, as you know, there's just a lack of new supply getting built, um, just given the challenges of the pandemic and just the current debt challenges in the marketplace. Um, so, you know, demand continues to recover very nicely from the pandemic, and there's a lot of just secular trends that favor demand, too. So, you know, I would say our lack of buying this year hasn't necessarily been for a lack of trying. It's just been a, it's been a very tough transaction market from our perspective. But although we've only bought a handful of hotels, three hotels so far this year, we have been extremely active on the um, lending side. So we've, you know, our, the credit side of our business really took off towards the um, end of the first quarter of 2022, when really that started pulling back from the national banks. And then it really, you know, it really went from the national banks to the regional banks and the community banks started pulling back in the latter half of 2022 you know, before we even had, you know, the SVB mess earlier this year. So, you know, our credit business has really thrived over the last 12 months. So that's where most of our new investments have been is on the credit side of the business and doing direct lending. Uh, let's keep going on the credit side. Talk, what do you think the future of credit is? Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, I think it's going to be very challenging. I think the regional banks are no question continue to be under a lot of pressure. Their stock prices are down. Um, pretty significantly, a lot of the regional banks, um, even um, some of the national banks, are all having to, you know, shore up liquidity. Um, so a lot of them are focused on their balance sheet, which means they're going to be less incentivized to go make new loans, um, unless you have a very large depository relationship with them, or willing to establish a very large depository relationship. And on average, I think most banks. Um, or, you know, from what we're seeing in the market, at least, you know, if you're going to get a, a loan from a bank today and you don't already have a pre-existing relationship, most likely they're going to ask you to set up a relationship where you're going to move over, you know, deposits that equal 10 to 20% of that loan size. Um, so I say that because, you know, regional banks, community banks, national banks make up 
40% of the commercial real estate lending market. And that market's going to be very ineffective over the next, at least from my viewpoint, for the next you know 12 months or so as banks continue to just you know, shore up their liquidity positions and, and deal with some of the regulatory pressure that's going to continue to exist um, just due to concerns, not necessarily with hotels, but just across just general commercial real estate assets and all the repricing that's taking place, especially across some of these lower cap rate trades, because those assets are under much more pressure as cap rates have continued to expand out across, you know, like multi and so forth. And that's, you know, it's a lot more impactful when the cap rates move from like a 3% cap rate to a 5%. I mean, that could, you know, wipe out all your equity in a property. So, you know, there's no question um, a lot of these banks have a huge exposure to commercial real estate. So they're going to be very hesitant to make new loans, but it presents a huge opportunity for groups like us where we have our direct lending platform, Stonehill. And so we're seeing that business really pick up or we're really filling the void um, that's been left by a lot of the, you know, regional banks and national banks, as well as, um, you know, you're seeing the CMBS and CLO market has been very inefficient as well. And that makes up, you know, with, you know, insurance companies as well, that makes about 40% of the lending market as well. And, you know, that market continues to be very inefficient, although you're starting to see a lot of insurance companies become a little bit more active on the, the lending side. Uh, but we're just in a very inefficient lending market. I think that's going to continue to be the case for the rest of this year going into the first half of next year. But then you've got a lot of private equity groups like us that have, lending platforms. And this is the um, period of time that you know, we really thrive on the direct lending side and we can you know, be a source of liquidity for not only hotel groups, but for all commercial real estate owners. And that's what we're doing right now. We're doing a lot of loans to, to different um, hotel owners that are building new hotels, you know, acquiring hotels, but we're also financing everything from, uh, from you know, multifamily projects. We're doing a couple of construction loans on new multifamily projects being built across the U.S., to financing um, acquisition loans on some stuff on, in the retail space, for instance. Uh, the question I hate to ask, but how expensive is the money? Give me a standard Stonehill quote. Yeah, so it's it's definitely, um, I mean, costs of debt have, have gone up all over the board. So we, um, most of our debt typically falls in the range of that, you know, SOFR plus got, you know, around 700 basis points. Um, so, you know, give or take, you know, 100 basis points or so. So it's definitely not cheap. So, I mean, you're borrowing today, um, just given where SOFR is, you're around 12% for our typical loan. You know, we do some stuff, and this is all senior debt, you know, where we're going typically, you know, call it 60 you know, to 75% loan to cost, loan to value. Um, so we're usually in that range. Uh, but we also have some stuff we do where it, we do some fixed rate loans that are a little bit cheaper, where we're around 10%. Or a little bit south of that, sometimes we're in the nines on a fixed rate basis, and uh, and so that's you know that's a different product for you know certain deals. And usually, if we've got something that's you know a very you know well located asset that fits a certain bucket, you know usually we're in that you know call it nine and a half to ten percent range on a fixed rate basis, which is a little bit more competitive. And give me your math on where sort of traditional CMBS or other bank uh, lenders are. Yeah, so it's. It is all over the place right now. I think for CMBS, you know, most of the, on a fixed rate basis, you know, we're seeing stuff, you know, call it around 7%, you know, give or take 50 bips. Um, so, you know, CMBS, that is getting done, but that's, you know, most of the assets we finance tend to be more transitional in nature where, you know, the borrower hasn't executed on their business plan fully and they're 
they're buying something with the idea that they're going to grow cash flow. So they don't want to be restricted into a 10 year loan or a five year loan. Um, that's, you know, that's going to restrict them from being able to pay it off. Um, so they want to be able to, you know, utilize someone like us on a short-term basis to, you know, go create that value and either recap, you know, at a later date through CMBS and cash out equity or be able to go sell the asset. But CMBS is usually today around 7%. I think most of the banks we're seeing today are typically quoting. I mean, it's a very, banks that are quoting deals, we're seeing it in even some of the other debt funds. It, it is all over the place. I'd say traditional banks, if they will give a quote, usually is in that SOFR plus three to 500 range. And if you're, uh, you know, more of a private lender like us, you're probably in the same range of us, you know, like caught around SOFR plus 600, 800 over, depending on what's happening. And if it's an insurance company, um, you know, it's, you know, we're seeing quotes in the seven to 10% range from insurance, you know, a lot of the insurance companies that are doing fixed rate paper today. Yeah. And just for the record, SOFR today is where? Five and a quarter? It, exactly. Right. So you're at silver three to three hundred to five hundred over five and a quarter. You're talking eight to ten, just what you said. Exactly. If, so if you can get it. it. Exactly. If you can get it, and, and it's and and that's the challenge that it's it's definitely, and I'm sure you're seeing on your side. It's definitely making um, the transaction market extremely challenging, and you've got to be very thoughtful about what you're buying because not all assets can easily get financed in this market. So are you seeing a lot of new buyers enter the market right now? Just like when I say new buyers, like buyers outside the hotel business, or is it still just mostly hotel groups that are executing on the buy side? Uh, you know, that's actually a really good question. It's, um, I would say it's still mostly hotel groups. It's gotta be people that have some track record with a local bank who can lend to them. Follow right. that? Yep. Again, it's not the big names. It's not you guys. It's not Blackstone. It's not the big, big names. It's the opposite. It's smaller is better, not bigger. Smaller is better. And the the local guy who can go get a loan from his local bank, right. sign personal recourse. That's who that's who's buying the stuff today. He probably has a 1031 exchange or it's the hotel right next door. He's got some emotional reason why he wants to buy this. Yeah, now that, that makes sense. And then are you seeing a lot of deals fall out of contract right now? Or are you still seeing everybody execute for the most part? Uh, great question. It's a um, very nuanced answer. Uh, first half of this year and, and fourth quarter of last year, everything fell out. Everything. Right. So from that, everything fell out. Now, knock on wood, I don't know, 50-50, if not, if not higher, if not 70% because we've kind of learned what to do and we've learned, don't take that out. It's not going to get done. Right. Yep. Like, like back, like then everyone was like, Oh yeah, I can pay you $50 million for that. And then they come back to you. got, did you know the credit markets are terrible? <laughs> and now we all know that the credit markets are terrible. So we've all adjusted. And, and a question you didn't answer, didn't ask that I will answer is um, I think that uh, most of the sellers have done more of the capitulation than the buyers. Right. We are still getting by the, anytime you buy the anything, you've gotten aggressive by definition, right? You had 19 bidders, you were the winning bidder, you beat out everybody else. Right. So you still have to get aggressive. And our job is to find the person who's willing to get aggressive on each asset, right? Why right. do you have to have this one? That's our job. Um, trick, instead of 19 bidders, now we have seven. 
Yeah. Right. And instead of three or four guys fighting over it, we have one. Yep. And then we're just hoping to get that person to the finish line. Right. We're interested we're still getting hard money on the majority of our deals, though. Most of our contracts, we're still getting hard money. Wow. Okay. It, and so when you say hard, you're not getting hard money at the signing of the contract, but. Um, the bulk of what we're doing, we're still getting hard money at the signing of the contract. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome for you guys because it obviously locks in the buyer, but that's, it, it's almost just with how the debt markets are right now. I would be super, like if you're relying on debt, unless you're an all cash buyer, which most buyers really aren't, they're going to leverage at some level. It's just such a inefficient market, but. They're, um, uh, my salesman answer is sort of don't make me or the seller, the client, don't make us trust you. You trust yourself that you can get a deal done today in today's market. You know your relationships. You know what you can do. If you think you can get it done, you put your money where your mouth is and you go hard. And then we'll all be on the same team. This is the magical part. Now we're all on the same team trying to get this deal done. Hey, how can we help? Do you need a mess piece? Do you need, where are you short? What do you need? What can we work on? What can we work with to get this done? Versus sort of the adversarial, oh, I'm going to go find everything wrong with your hotel. I'm going to come tell you, here's a list. I need a retrade. Thank you. Oh, by the way, I found all these other problems. Right. We not have that uh, question when everyone's gone hard. It's, it's yep. kind of cool. And for the most part, my sellers, even the black sellers of the world, don't mind giving you extra time. They just, as long as you're hard, they'll take a little more extra hard money, but they'll give you all the time in the world to close. They just right. want you to close. Yep. That makes sense. And, and we rarely have people walk away from money, but we have had people walk away in this, in this, uh, because it changed so quickly. Right. Right. Not, not yeah. right now. I think we're at a new plateau though. So there's not a lot of new information. Again, we've all said we can get deals done in any market, but we just need to know the rules. Right. When you change the rules on us, that's when we all kind of get squirrely. But if we know the rules of the game, we, we can go get deals done. Yep. And I think we're at a little bit of a plateau right now that I think we're going to be at for a while. So let's go yep. get deals done. So our deal volume, interestingly, has picked up significantly. I'm totally surprised we're not seeing more buyers come in the market that are you know not traditional hotel buyers, just given what's happening on some of the other asset classes and just, you know, hotels become are becoming more compelling as an investment story. And probably it's probably the most investable asset class at this point. So when I, you look at commercial real estate assets, at least. You're looking at all as asset classes now. So you know better than just the hotel people, where should you invest the money? And the irony is, I think you're right. We hear it a lot. Hotels are the best place to put your money. Yep. Because we can raise the rates, right? We can adjust so quickly for inflation. Right. We I mean, down, we can we can be very flexible. Yeah. No, I mean, we're the best hedge against inflation, to your point. And also, we have risk premium spread when you look at the risk-free rate being the 10-year, you know, the 10-year treasury rate right now is around 370, 375. And you're still getting, you know, most hotels are trading around, you know, call it a 75 to 8.5% cap rates, right? Or higher in some cases. So you have risk premium spread compared to like multi-industrial self-storage, where these assets are still trading a lot of times in the five to six percent range, and so you barely have you know um, positive you know risk premium spread. So yeah, because it's tough, right? Yeah, 
we're, our success that we're having right now trades it, again it's the it's every, the world's upside down right now smaller is better so we'd rather have a 10 million dollar deal than a hundred million dollar deal i'd rather have 10 million than 50 million right because a local bank can loan to you 10 million dollars you sign personal you have a relationship there you, you sign on it you get a you get a nice interest rate thanks seven made that up um with some flexibility and you know it's the next door neighbor or it's somebody that knows it locally they've got some reason to close on it they, they've got a 1031 exchange uh they've got some motivation that those are the deals that we're getting done today yeah no that that, that totally makes sense and that's sort of what we're seeing is like once you cross i'd say the 30 million dollar market becomes super challenging to get financing um i think it gets you know obviously you know, there's still a lot of equity out there in the marketplace. Right. Um, we're still, yeah, there's a ton of liquidity still in the marketplace. It's just not, unfortunately, it's not in the debt market. Right. Um, just given, you know, given the challenges across, you know, a lot of the banks, because they make up so much of that liquidity in a, you know, in a normalized, you know, traditional market. But, uh, but yeah, so it, it's going to be, I think it's going to just continue to put pressure. It obviously, you could argue it has pressure on values. But to your point, I mean, hotels are the most investable asset class right now. And that's part of the reason you're not seeing cap rates really, at least this is my viewpoint, you're not seeing cap rates really expand out much. I mean, I think six cap is hard to justify unless you have a huge, you know, growth story over the next couple of years from a standpoint of being able to grow rents or grow, you know, ADRs, average daily rates at the hotel level. Uh, But for the most part, it's, um, you know, I think, you know, you look across all these asset classes, there's just so much, there's so much risk with some of these other asset classes that got used to just, I hate to say it, you know, debt that was next to zero. Right. And they got used to these low cap rates that just weren't sustainable. Um, and and it just in a strange way, the pandemic was was a gift to the hotel industry, although it caused a lot of you know damage to our industry. But it was a gift in the sense that we didn't get the, you know, unfortunately, we didn't get the benefit of that compression of cap rates at the level that you saw across all these other assets. And so the spread differential of where hotels were trading relative to like multifamily or industrial or even self-storage from a historical perspective really blew out during the pandemic. And now those ass- those other assets are trying to come back to, at least from my viewpoint, back to the historical you know, range of that spread differential. And so I think those assets are going to continue to see, um, you know, values come down, especially if interest rates stay higher for longer, as I think is going to be the case, because that's just going to continue to put pressure on those lower cap rate assets. But I do think hotels at some point, they're going to become, I think you're going to see the entrance of more buyers outside of even the hotel industry, because a lot of these groups are trying to diversify as they're dealing, especially a lot of them over allocated, a lot of larger, you know, private equity shops over allocated into uh, multifamily or some of these other asset classes during the pandemic. And so now they're trying to balance out their portfolios. Some. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, first time I've heard COVID was a good thing for the hotel industry. So I'm going yeah, to, so I got to find yeah, some, something good. So you are. Uh, but we are starting to see the 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 new entrance and you know funds existing funds that are now that have not been hotel people that are now in the hotel space. Uh, although interesting, not as much as we saw during sort of the depths of COVID when they all rushed in. I think they rushed in because they thought that there would be distress, not because they anticipated inflation and hotels being the good uh, place to be. But I think it's worked out for them, and they've been very happy. Uh, speaking yep. of distress, what it, let's do? You see distress? 
what's your what's your future look like? Yeah, it's a good question. So I don't see, you know, could there be distress? I mean, there you could argue there's some balance sheet distress out there today, right? Um, there's not a lot of, you know, when you look, look across all commercial real estate assets, I mean, the only asset class I see true distress in is office. And yeah. that's in general, that's catching a falling knife. So I don't know if the knife is actually falling to the ground yet. And for us to be like investing in something that's distressed, we like to typically pick up the knife on the ground or off the ground. So I think, you know, to me, that's a very tough asset class from a macro perspective to go invest into today. But cross hospitality, I think it's, you know, personally, I think there is some balance sheet distress. I mean, you could argue there's some asset level distress in some of these submarkets that have been slow to recover, like in San Francisco. But that's another example. It's really, it's really hard for us to go buy into a market like that, just given the challenges on the, you know, just on the operating side with um, some of the operational challenges with union labor and so forth. But um, so, I mean, we're very hesitant to go where there is true asset level distress for the most part. Although, you know, we've bought historically a lot of assets that did have some asset level distress, but where we see the opportunity in the near term is the balance sheet distress where someone's got a maturing loan um, where, you know, that maturing loan is causing them to, you know, realize that their debt cost is going to double or maybe even triple because, you know, maybe their rate was fixed at, you know, 4% a couple of years ago. Now all of a sudden they've got to refinance and their new rate's going to be at, you know, eight, nine, 10% or even higher. And Oh, by the way, they need additional proceeds that they're not able to get just given, you know, given what's happening in the you know, the current market, and they need those additional proceeds in order to renovate the asset because a lot of groups exhausted their CapEx reserves during the pandemic, um, or they delayed renovation projects during the pandemic in order to make it through the pandemic. And so I think, you know, I believe those are going to be some of the catalysts that are going to create um, some buying opportunities, you know, for, for everyone that's looking to buy hotels. And that's going to be the motivation for groups to want to sell. I don't know if it's going to be um, this, you know, huge distress trade per se, but I do think there'll be a trade there that you can buy stuff more opportunistically. And that's sort of what we're seeing right now in the deals that we're working on in a lot of cases. There's usually, um, there's usually a situation where a loan's maturing or there's a, a big PIP needed yep. and they just don't want to do a capital call, nor do they want to go tap into the debt markets where, you know, you know debt costs are so high. And so I think there's a you know, bigger opportunity there, not to mention, I mean, there's, I'm sure you've heard in the news, there's this huge wall of debt maturities, which, you know, hotels are part of it. I mean, you got $1.5 trillion of commercial real estate loans maturing between now and the end of 2025. And, you know, hospitality is, uh, you know, they're a big chunk of that. And as those loans mature, you know, something's going to give either where they're going to, you know, groups are going to have to refinance or they're going to have to sell. So there's going to be some, I think, some good opportunities coming down the road. You buying real estate, you buying notes? It's a good question. So the note buying side, unfortunately, we've not seen, you know, during the pandemic, we bought over 180 loans. You right. know, during the financial crisis, we bought 50 loans. And this year, we've bought um, nothing on the debt side. We've just not seen anything that's been super compelling, the discounts have been the loans that are trading that we're seeing, the discounts just have been very thin where it just doesn't make sense. And within our credit strategy, we're actually better off just doing direct lending where we can lend to you know great sponsors, you know, to great assets and not have to necessarily buy something at a um, you know at pricing that just doesn't make sense. And that's that's where the no trade, you know, the 
if you're buying debt from banks today, or, you know, that's where it sort of is. Cause like on average, most of the loans that we're seeing trade that is truly covered paper where the asset is worth, you know, around the loan balance or higher, you know, most of those loans are trading at like call it two to 5% discounts, um, which, you know, effectively you're just better off originating paper versus buying. Now it doesn't mean that that trade doesn't come. It's just not here right now. And most, most of the banks, as they're shoring up liquidity, they're not very motivated to sell loans, you know, at a discount much below, you know, call it a, you know, two to 5% discount anyway, because, you know, they've got, in most cases, you know, they're, the underlying assets are, you know, performing at the asset level. So they're not, you know, too concerned at this point. Now things can change and, and there's always, you know, maybe a distress asset like in San Francisco where a bank would be more motivated to maybe trade paper at a more reasonable discount. But again, you're worried about catching the fallen knife. I mean, that's one of my joys of there's distress. There's sort of always distress. You just got to find it. But there's no, anyone will buy it in theory when the knife has fallen on the ground, right? That's sort of, it's, you know, when are you contrarian and when are you like, yeah, yeah, we'll go there. We're seeing, again, we're, I'm going to echo what you just said. We're seeing very spotty markets. Some markets, Florida are doing fantastic. Some are not. Uh, Oh, by the way, there's some softening in those drive to uh, leisure markets, right? Because they had such a run up. So now there's a softening in those markets. Uh, Some of the business communities are coming back. Some are not. So it's hit and miss. But I agree. The fundamentals are still basically strong. Um, Yes, there's some pressure because the uh, interest rates have floated up. But none of that is forcing a decision unless there's a maturity or a PIP that they have to do. They're getting through the rest of those issues, waiting for one of those key factors to push them to make a decision. Or they're just tired or they've gotten old or they just want to get out of the industry, you know, retire, all those kinds of conversations. Right. But I will say our, and I'll ask your opinion, but our our volume is picking up significantly. Again, we were very slow first half, very slow fourth quarter. Things were very tricky in the fourth quarter, slow in the first half. And now our volume is picking up significantly. Can't really tell you why, but everyone's like, yeah, let's, let's go. And not at distress, not distress at all. Reasonable valuations and we're getting deals done. Knock on wood. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, candidly, I think we're getting closer to the end of the Fed, you know, raising rates. Yep. And I yep. think as the Fed becomes more predictable, which, you know, I think, you know, Powell's been very much committed that, you know, we're going to raise rates, you know, at least one or two more times this year. Um, I'm not sure how real that is. You know, personally, I have a different opinion. Um, but assuming they, because I don't see rates dropping either, just to be clear, but I think either rates are going to stay flat where they are, or they're going to, you know, raise it, you know, one or two more times. But once the Fed, once everyone's got full conviction that, you know, they know where the Fed is headed with everything, I think the market can sort of recalibrate, reset. And I think that's when the market's going to become more active because lenders, are going to be able to feel very good about what they're lending against and the actual underlying values because, you know, the cost of debt, you know, the, or the 10 year treasury, you know, as we talked about earlier and how that, you know, how that affects cap rates and everything. I think everyone can then have some conviction on how to value the underlying assets. And that's going to allow for the market to become a little bit more efficient. Although, you know, banks will continue to most likely not lend at the levels that they were um, in, you know, pre pandemic or even how they were lending 18 months ago, but they'll still, you know, you'll still have some more banks that are still some banks that will be willing to lend at some level. And then you'll have a lot of private lenders and insurance companies that will start lending. And then I think you'll see a lot more equity be willing to um, jump into the market that, you know, they were waiting for that certainty. 
And I really think just personally, like hotels, you know, when you look, because you really can invest for what's happening right now and what's happening over the next six to 12 months, because there's going to be volatility for the next six to 12 months from my standpoint, you really got to have a, you know, when you're buying a hotel and for us, when we buy a hotel, we're looking three to five years down the road. So we want to buy an asset and really get comfortable with the submarket, what's happening at that location. And, you know, and what we think, you know, that market's going to look like three to five years from now from an occupancy and an average daily rate perspective for not only that market, but for the specific asset that we're buying. And I think, you know, I think right now, it, or at least I think we're getting to that inflection point where it's going to become very compelling to start to buy because you can buy assets that are better assets in a very, um, very much a less crowded build where, you know, you may not, um, you know, where you're able to buy stuff at, you know, decent pricing, you're not going to be getting distressed pricing, but you're buying into an asset class that at least, you know, with hotels, there's, I think there's just going to continue to be um, this growth of demand, although it may soften in this, you know, this economic recession that everybody's been predicting forever, assuming we go into it, um, you know, I think you, you know, I think you will have some softness then, but as you come out of it, I think you're going to continue to see just demand growth that's outsized to what we've seen in the past, not to mention you just have less supply getting built in general. And so, you know, you should have a really good story there from a supply demand perspective. Yeah. Let, let me ramble on some of that. I mean, one, everyone's expecting this recession, which I still think is coming by the way. So I think today is better than tomorrow has been my speech for a while now. Uh, having said that, so everyone's holding sort of, there's still a lot of liquidity equity on the sideline that everyone's holding waiting for it to come. And mine's simply supply and demand. So the irony is we take hotels out today, they're probably off 20% from where they were. Some are off more, some are off less, some are 30%, some are 10. Let's just call it 20. So there's your discount if you wanted a discount, right? We're getting a lot closer to replacement cost on a lot of these uh, assets. So if you're a long-term believer, because there's not so many bidders at this specific moment, I the salesman to me could make an argument of now's a really good time to be a contrarian and buy what you can. Is it at the exact bottom? No. But okay, things start falling. Then everybody starts jumping in. They probably get bid up to the same level as to where they are today. And then you look, you got to do a long-term outlook because my outlook is we're going to have some version of soft recession fourth quarter. I don't see major change next year, 2024. Oh, by the way, it's an election year. So it's going to be a total crap show. So right. and I don't see interest rates falling. And when interest rates do fall, that meet fundamentally means that the revenues are off, right? It means that something has happened in the economy. The economy has slowed, so your revenues aren't as good. So we're out to 2025 before we're trying to do a transaction. And oh, by the way, we could have any changes there, right? One, the brands want you to do a PIP. Right. Or the brands have all these new brands out that they want to do. Um uh, and oh, by the way, maybe there's more bank failures or some global event or something that no one's seen as well. Yeah, just my sense. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think we are going to, you know, just taking digesting some of the stuff you said. I mean, I do think we're going to be in a recession as well. I think the, you know, I do think there's at least from our base case perspective, I think it's going to be a relatively shallow recession. Great, just given you know, looking at the consumer um, and, and obviously the consumers, you know, pulling back, you know, spending money on um, you know, goods and they're really, you know, at least for now, they're continuing to spend on services like hotels and so forth. And that's part of the reason hotels are thriving. And maybe that pulls back here shortly as well. But, you know, when you compare this to past cycles, 
Um, the labor market, I mean, it's just structurally in a different place where I think for the most part, it's going to continue to be a very healthy um, labor market, even through the, you know, this recession that we're probably going to head into. Um, and the consumer drives, you know, call it 65, you know, around 65, 67% of the total economic activity. So the consumer, it, to me, at least from my perspective, it's the one piece that can make this a very steep recession, or it can make it a very shallow recession. And as long as the consumer is able to continue to be employed or have the opportunity for employment, um, and as long as, because right now there's still a record amount of liquidity and money market accounts. Um, so, I mean, there's a ridiculous amount of money that's just sitting in money market accounts, you know, as you were saying before. And as long as that's the case, I mean, even though there's, I mean, there's been some increase, I know people show data where credit card balances have increased and, and that's, you know, sure it's, you know, it's definitely increased, but it's, it, you know, again, the consumer, as long as they have income, they tend to like to spend the income and that's going to continue to, um, you know, soften the impact compared to what we experienced during the GFC where unfortunately, you know, the consumer was living off of credit. And as soon as the, you know, as soon as the housing crisis really took hold, um, and, and they and the consumers started losing their jobs. Obviously, you know they just had no liquidity in the bank, unlike today. So I think it will be it will be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I think ultimately, I'm probably very bullish just on our ability just to be able to manage through this you know this upcoming economic recession. But more importantly, I think once we get through it, I think there's going to be a lot of money to um, especially get re continue to get reallocated into the hospitality industry. Because I think, especially on the select service, limited service, extended stay side, I'm sure you're seeing it. I think people are starting to really appreciate the resiliency of that space and its ability to manage through, you know, not only some of the past economic recessions, but I mean, the pandemic now, which is probably the worst event of all time for the hotel industry. Um, and then, you know, as we power through this, you know, upcoming economic recession, I think it's going to continue to, to give a really good story for institutional capital to to reallocate into our industry to allow for that, you know, hopefully for some compression of cap rates and value increases on the outside. All right. So in summary, I like this a lot. Uh, Greg is bullish on the uh, uh, hotel industry specifically, right? Hotels due to inflation, raising rates are better than the other asset classes. Uh, and I personally think that uh, your lending platform is going to be very profitable uh, and very busy going forward. So did I summarize that? You summarized it perfectly. I think the the credit side of our business, I mean, we were, you know, we were definitely expecting to have a, a record year, um, not only this year, but going into next year, because there's just such a lack of debt liquidity out there. Um, so I think we'll be able to, you know, take advantage of it on the lending side through Stonehill. But I, I do also think um, I think the hospitality industry. I mean, it's probably it's probably never been better when you think about just the fundamentals and what's you know what the opportunity set you know that's what we're set up for when you look over the next you know five to seven years because I think it gets understated just the lack of new supply getting built in general yes. compared to what we typically experience when you're going you know when you're headed towards an economic recession because you're usually dealing with the reverse where you have a record amount of supply. And that's what what's happening like in multifamily right now. You have a record amount of supply that has to be absorbed. That's, you know, not only to mention that they're dealing with the reverse, like we, we trade at higher cap rates, as I was talking about. Some of these other asset classes are having to deal with cap rates that are expanding, you know, very quickly. So they have got to grow 
sprints at a pretty rapid pace in order to offset that, you know, cap rate expansion or loss of value through cap rate expansion, which is going to be a really hard task. Whereas we're not going to have that challenge, which, you know, I'm pretty bullish on our industry. So. Yeah, I love it. Uh, all right. You're a good man. Thank you for doing this. We could go on and on forever and ramble uh, and people would uh, maybe, maybe not listen um, right. very much for your time. Uh, I owe you lunch. Let's not do the Zoom thing anymore. Let's get together. Let's definitely uh, do lunch. I agree. And fingers crossed we get some uh, more deals done the second half of this year. For sure. We'll, we'll definitely do some deals. So let's figure that out and uh, look forward to catching up over lunch or dinner. Here soon. I love it. All Sounds right. Thanks, good. Greg. Bye. All right. See you soon. See ya.